Thanks for joining us today. We love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life, so we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com and pick the giving option that works best for you and help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message. Yeah, church, if you're thankful for what Jesus did for us on Calvary and that you and I can be forgiven because of his sacrifice, let's give him one more shout of praise today. Man, I gotta just say, it's Easter Sunday morning, and I gotta say, you look really good today. In fact, why don't you turn to the person next to you and tell them, you look good today. That kind of backfired. Maybe you should turn to the other person you didn't talk to. I don't know why you didn't. Tell them they look good too. That's between you and them, but you look good too. Guys, we're so glad that you're here celebrating Easter with us. I, I get excited about today because I recognize there are many of you in this room that, that you're so happy to be here because you recognize that, that today we celebrate the fact that Jesus didn't just die for our sins, he rose again. And, and we celebrate that and we're excited about that. But I also know, I also know there's some of you in here that you feel like you got tricked into being here today, um, that you had a friend that said, you know, I'll, I'll take you to lunch or whatever, if you just come to church with me, or maybe you're here because your wife said you will sit next to me in church today. Well, I get it. And I want you to know we are so thankful that you're here. We're glad you're here. And in fact, we want you to know that you don't have to believe to belong here. Okay. It's our hope and our prayer that you would eventually come to a place where you believe what we believe. And that's that we believe Jesus Christ is the son of God and that he paid the price for our sins. So you and I could be forgiven. We, we, we hope and pray for that, but wherever you are on your journey, we want you to know that you are welcome here. And we're so glad that you're here with us today. Because let me tell you what you won't find here is you won't find perfect people. In fact, if you think you're perfect, just get on out of here. Because um, what, we, what we recognize here is that we're people who are forgiven. And uh, we come together and celebrate how this forgiveness was paid for. That, that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. I mean, that's what Easter is all about. And in fact, um, while we look in our, into the scriptures today, we're going to be looking at what took place right after Jesus's death, his burial and his resurrection. Because in the story we see in Luke chapter 24, we see that, that Jesus died for our sins. He, he hung on the cross. And after he died, he was buried. And three days later, we know that there was a group of women that went to go mourn at his tomb. And when they arrived to go mourn, uh, they saw that the stone had been rolled away and that Jesus was no longer there. And there were angels that were staying there saying, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Don't you know that Jesus is risen? He's out doing a work right now. You should, you should go look for him somewhere else. So you, what was he doing? Okay, like, well, why didn't he wait if he knew these women were going to come looking for him? Well, he had a work to do. Immediately, he was off doing his work. And in fact, I want to go ahead and just jump ahead in the story to where you and I can look at what was Jesus doing right after the resurrection? And we see in Luke chapter 24, verse 13 is where I want to pick up today and read a little bit about what Jesus was doing. It says this. 
That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. So saying it's seven miles, they're on a journey. We know the average person walks three and a half miles an hour. So this is about a two hour journey that these men are going. And, And we know that it's a little bit strange because they're the followers of Jesus. They should have been with the other followers. They should have been with the other believers, but, but things didn't go the way they expected. They, they didn't understand that things were gonna happen the way that they did. So they were shocked. So they decided, I, I think I'm gonna try things a different way. And they turned their back on other believers. They turned their back on the church. They turned their back on God and started walking away. And we see here in verse 14, it says, as they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. Well, what happened? Well, what happened was that everything that they believed, they believed Jesus was the Messiah. They believed he was the son of God and he was just killed three days earlier. He was hung on a cross three days earlier. So everything that they were putting their hopes in and their dreams and what they believed in, it just died. That's what they were talking about. And and it says in verse 15, as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. Isn't that interesting? See, these men should have been in Jerusalem. They should have been with the other believers. They should have been with the rest of the followers of Christ. But they, these disciples were going the wrong way. They had turned their back and they were walking away and they should have been with Jesus. But while they were headed the wrong way, Jesus shows up and heads them off at the past. And this just goes to show that God can appear to you even when you're headed in the wrong direction. So never let anyone tell you that you have to get your life right and you got to start acting right before God can use you. Never let anyone tell you that you got you to get cleaned up and stop this or stop that before you can go to church. Never let anyone tell you because what we see is the people who were going the wrong way, that's, that's what Jesus was doing. When, when you go, where was Jesus? Right, right after his resurrection, he was going after those people that were going the wrong way. So he, he's chasing them down the road and he, he catches up with these, these, these men that, 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 that kind of turn their back on God's plan for them. It says, but God kept them, this is verse 16, but God kept them from recognizing him. I wonder how many times that God has shown up in your life and he's shown up in my life and we didn't recognize him. Isn't it interesting, like we look back on things and in hindsight, it's 2020, you know, you've heard that said a billion times, but, but we look back on things and you can start to recognize, you know what, I guess maybe God was there in that situation. Maybe God did rescue me in that car accident. Maybe he did help me in my marriage. And sometimes we can see in hindsight that God was at work, but I wonder how many times God shows up and he's right there with us, but we don't recognize that it's him. And he asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? And they stopped short, sadness written across their face. See, Jesus can show up even when you're disappointed. They showed up, uh, they stopped short, sadness written across their face. And then one of them, Cleopas, (laughs) well, now we know why he's sad. (laughs) His mom named him Cleopas. What kind of mom names your kid Cleopas? Maybe you're you're pregnant right now. You're looking for a baby name. I think this one might be available. One of them named Cleopas replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all these things that have happened these last few days. 
They're asking the only one who actually knows what's going on. They're, they're, they're accusing him like, you must not have a clue what's going on. They're telling Jesus, you don't know what's going on. And, and Jesus says, what things? What things? And the things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth. And I think this is great because now Jesus, I mean, they're talking to Jesus and they're trying to teach Jesus about Jesus, okay? So they said, he was a prophet who did powerful miracles and he was a mighty teacher in the eye of God and of all people, but our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and they crucified him. We had hoped that he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of his followers went, uh, were at his tomb early in the morning and they came back with this amazing report. They said his body was missing and that they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. And some of our men ran out to see and sure enough, his body was gone just as the woman had said. Then Jesus said to them, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe that the, what the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures all the things concerning himself. Man, wouldn't it be neat? to hear Jesus taking, the, taking you through the Bible, explaining how every verse and every story was all about him. So by this time they were nearing Emmaus and they ended uh, and the end of their journey. And Jesus acted as if he were going on. Have you ever felt like God was gonna leave you? Have you ever felt like just when you were starting to recognize your need for him in your life, that just when you needed him the most, have you ever felt like he was, he was gonna leave you? It's interesting that the Bible says that Jesus acted like he was gonna leave him. He had no intention of leaving them. What was he doing? This is like, he's teaching us something about the importance of us pursuing God. This is like God playing hide and seek with us like a dad would play hide and seek. I mean, not like every dad, because I can remember when I was a, a, a father of two young girls, when my daughters were really young, I would use hide and seek as my opportunity to get some daddy time, you know? So I'd be like, hey girls, why don't you count to 10? And then I'd go lock myself in the basement and watch ESPN, right? So it was like, this is daddy time. Like, don't look at me like you've never done that. Like, come on. <laughs> Like another father of the award, father of the year award right here, you know. But but God is not like a human father that makes mistakes and and does things on accident or does things selfishly. What we see is God here is playing like a hide and seek game with us to teach us that, that if we will just pursue him, we will find him. That it's like more like the, the father who would stand behind the lamp post and hide like where every bit of you can be seen. And you're like, girls, um, uh, count to 10 and see if you could find me and, and wait there because he wants to be found in Jesus is giving them an opportunity to say, do you want me to be a part of your life? Do you want to pursue me? And it's so interesting here, as we look on it says, but they begged him, so that now they're pursuing him. Stay the night with us, since it's getting late. So he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it to them. You know, there's nothing abnormal about this passage. 
They just finished a journey. It's the end of the day. It's time for dinner. So the, the, verse 30 tells us something very simple. He took bread, he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it to them. There's, there's nothing abnormal about that, but it, it, it's kind of interesting and it's a little shocking when you look at verse 31. What comes next, it, it seems like it comes out of nowhere to me because if you think about it, what's happened so far is for the last two hours, these men have been walking with Jesus. The Bible clearly states from the beginning, they were followers of Jesus before this happened. So they, they should have recognized them. They were walking with Jesus for two hours. He's teaching them about himself, revealing out of scripture how, how, how Jesus is the son of God and he would have to die for our sins. He's, he's doing all this and they still didn't recognize him. So it seems a little shocking when in verse 31, it says, suddenly their eyes were open and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. And they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as they talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. So, so they're walking the wrong way. Life wasn't going the way that they expected. Things didn't turn out the way that they hoped. So they turned their back on God's and they started walking away. And as, as they were walking away, they had an encounter with Jesus because he chased them down, because he was looking for them. And what's so amazing about this is at the end of this, after, after they were going the wrong way and they were leaving the other believers as they, they were trying to do things their own way now, after they had their encounter with Jesus, what happens is within the hour, they turn back around and they're going, I'm going right back to where God wants me to be because uh, I, he's still alive, he's still real, he, 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 is, he is the Messiah, we believe in him, so we're gonna go back, and that's good news because this is what I truly believe for you in this room today, is that there are some of you that you have, you, things have not worked out for you the way that you expected. You didn't expect your marriage to end. You didn't expect to lose that job. You didn't expect to feel the way you feel where you're walking the floor at night. You didn't expect to be dealing with depression and anxiety. You didn't expect these things. So since things aren't working out the way you expected, you find yourself walking in the opposite direction of where God would have you to be. But the truth is God has called you here because he wants to have an encounter with you that would turn you right back around to bring you right back to the place where he intended for you to be all along. And I believe that that's the case in this room, that you already feel a tugging on your heart, that God is saying you're, 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 you're coming back to where you need to be, that I've been walking right alongside you, and maybe you haven't recognized me yet, but I've, I've been walking here with you. So it says, and within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem, and they found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them who said, the Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter, and then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus appeared to them and they, as they were walking on the road, and how they recognized him as he was breaking the bread. And how, the, I wanna read that again, because they recognized him as he was breaking the bread. Jesus was known to them in the breaking of the bread. So I believe that there's something deeper here than just a meal with Jesus. I believe that there's a principle here. I believe there's a pattern here where all of a sudden uh, these men who had been followers of Jesus, well, they saw Jesus do something and they went, wait a minute, I recognize this. I've seen this before. I've seen, I've seen this pattern before. Because if you've been around someone long enough, you'll start to recognize their patterns. 
And people who know me know, know my patterns. The, the one in this room that knows me the most, of course, my beautiful wife, she knows my patterns. So um, based off of my patterns, she could tell you if something is true about me or not. Because if you were to walk up to her and say, oh, hey, I saw your husband last week. She'd be like, okay, where'd you see him? You're like, he, he was at a restaurant eating a kale salad. She'd be like, no, you didn't. You may think, no, I saw him there eating the castle. No, you didn't. He might, he, you might have saw a bald man with a beard who likes kale, but that was not my husband because my husband doesn't eat kale salads. But if you were to say something like, I saw your husband, uh, where was he? Well, he was at Famous Dave's eating barbecue, and then he was walking through the fishing department. She'd be like, yeah, that was him. What was he doing? Why was he not at work? You know, like she would believe you, right? Because there's certain things we see as patterns about people. And this is what's interesting is these men who are walking with Jesus, two hours of talking with Jesus, they spent this whole time following him before the, the crucifixion. Through, after the resurrection now, they're, 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 they're contemplating everything they know about God. They're trying, they're trying to, to remember what was it that Jesus told us? Do I even believe this to be true? Like they're going through all this and all this time that we're there with Jesus, they don't recognize him. But then Jesus sits down for a meal and he takes a piece of bread and the Bible says he takes it and he blesses it. And then he breaks it and he gives it. And as soon as he does something with this action, they realized, oh my gosh, this is Jesus. This is the son of God. We've seen this before. I've seen this exact same thing before because they remembered in the upper room before his crucifixion that, that, that this is exactly the pattern of God. This is something that Jesus does. Like you can say, this is a reliable source to go, yeah, that's exactly what Jesus does because what did he do in the upper room? He took bread and he said, my body's gonna be broken for you. So he takes the bread, he blesses it, he breaks it, uh, he, uh, he takes it, he blesses it, he breaks it and he gives it to them. And, and that was even something they've seen before because we, we know that there was the feeding of the 5,000. There's 5,000 men there. If you count women and children, there's over 15,000 people. They didn't have enough food. So he asked, does anyone have anything? And he, he took some food from a little boy and he took it, he blessed it, he broke it and he gave it to the multitudes. And it multiplied to the point to where everyone was reached. Everyone was filled. Everyone had so much, there was so much that they had leftovers and they filled up baths full of leftovers at the end of it. Isn't this the pattern of God? Not of what he does with bread, but what he does with everything and everyone he uses. That God takes people and he blesses people and he breaks people so he can give people. We see this in, I mean, there, you can go through every person we read about in scripture, but you can look at Moses' life and see that Moses was taken out of the massacre that was taking place underneath Pharaoh's rule as he was killing children. He was taken out of that and then he was blessed. That he was drawn out of the river and, and received by one of Pharaoh's daughters and he was raised not as a slave, but raised in the palace. He was raised blessed. So he was taken and blessed. And then we know that he went through a difficult time. He made a mistake. He murdered someone and he spent 40 years on the run 40 years hiding, he was broken. And then God gave him back to Israel to be a leader that would take the Israelites out of slavery. We see this with Joseph, that Joseph was, was taken out of the pit 
taken out of slavery and, and he was blessed in Potter's, Potiphar's house, a very rich man's house. And then he was falsely accused and he was broken in prison. And he spent a period of his life being broken there, but God used that being broken to take him to a place of leadership and ruling to where he then became a blessing, not just to his family, but to the entire nation. Isn't this what happened with our savior? that Jesus was taken from the womb of a virgin, that, that he was blessed with signs and miracles, and then he was broken on the cross of Calvary for your sins and for mine, and he was given to us as the savior of the world. That it makes sense that these men, that they didn't recognize it was him until they saw this process before, until they saw the process and like, we've seen this before. This is the pattern of God. And I'm here to submit to you today that I believe that every one of us in this room, we're, we're in one of these four stages of the process of God. And that you might be in the first stage, the first stage of being taken. Don't you know God will take you out of things? He, he will take you out of things. And, and, and we don't know much about the taking stage when we're a part of it, other than the fact that it's uncomfortable. It's so weird how anytime we, we try to take our daughters somewhere, like our, our daughters know us, they trust us, but like we'll, we'll have an idea, like we want to take them to dinner and a movie, maybe uh, to bananas, we'd go do something fun. And we'll say, girls, come with us, we want to take you somewhere. And they immediately freak out, like, where, where, where are we going? Why? Should I text someone? I mean, like, what, is grandma, who's going to be there? Is Grandma Pop Pop going to be there? Like, they start freaking out immediately because it's uncomfortable to be taken, right? And, and when, when you're in the taken phase, what'll happen is God will start to make you uncomfortable with things that you used to be comfortable with. And maybe you've been in a peer group that you were comfortable with for years, and now all of a sudden, you're not comfortable with that same group of people that you used to be comfortable with. Or you've had a sin pattern in your life and, and it's just been the way things are. You've, it's the way it's always been. It's the way my parents coped with things. It's the way I cope with things. And then all of a sudden I'm just not comfortable with it anymore. And it's like, have you ever realized if you've been through this phase, it's like you, you feel like you can't even sin like you used to be able to sin. It's like, it used to be fun. It's not like you forgot how, you know, but it's like it used to be fun, but now all of a sudden it's just not comfortable. What is it? It's the taking stage. And when God takes you somewhere, you, you don't know where he's taking you. All I know, though, is that I'm not where I used to be. It's like, I, I'm not quite sure where he's taking me, but I know I'm not okay being here anymore. So if we start cooperating, there's some of you in this room, I, I believe you're here today because you're in the taking stage. I believe you might think you got tricked into being here because your mom told you you're gonna be here. It's Easter Sunday morning. But the truth is, I believe you're here on appointment because God is taking you out of a lifestyle where, where he hasn't been able to do the next stage. Because God takes you not just for the purpose of taking you, he takes you for the purpose of the next stage and that's he takes you so he can bless you. And man, there's those of us in this room, we understand this to be true. We know this to be true, that, that God has a plan for you. And the Bible says, for good and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future, God will bless you. He wants to take you so he can bless you. Not take you to punish you, not take you to keep you from anything. He wants to pour out blessings on you. 
He wants to make your life an incredible life. John 10, 10 says, life and life to the fullest, the very best life possible, not just externally uh, full, but on the inside where you're, you're happy, you're full of joy, you're excited to be blessed there. And when you're in this blessing phase, that, that's when you can start to look back and recognize why you had to go through the taking phase, why you had to go through the uncomfort of, of being taken. This is so interesting because I have people talk to me every week and this should just go to show how this is a church, it's a safe church for broken people, a safe church for hurting people because I'll have people who will come to me week after week and they'll, they'll cryptically tell me something like uh, 49. I'm like, what's that supposed to mean? Like, do I really look 49 years old? I don't think so. All right, I go, but no, 49. I'm like, 49, what? And I had this guy who goes, it's been 49 days that I've been clean. 49 days. I'm like, man, that's awesome. Praise God. And, and he started recognizing that he's been uncomfortable for 49 days. But what he told me is he goes, I'm starting to realize how I'm getting all the benefits out of this now. That I can breathe better. I can, I can sleep better at night. I feel better. I'm happier. There's peace coming back in my life. There's joy coming back in my life. So I look back now and I'm going, I feel like I was taken out of something, but now I can look at it and go, that truly was a blessing. And it's in this blessing stage, you recognize it was good that, that God took you out of whatever he took you out of. Sometimes we try to hold on to those things. It's like the old Garth Brooks song where, where, you, where he goes, I thank God for unanswered prayers. There's some of you, you were praying that God would keep you in that relationship. And then now that God has taken you out of it and you're past the uncomfort stage, you look at how blessed you are now and you're going, oh, thank God I'm not stuck with that anymore, right? <laughs> Anyone here understand what I'm talking about? He's like, oh, I, I could, because my life could have been somewhere else. It could have been with someone else. It could have been tied up in that job. It could have been tied up in this financial death. But God took me out of it, and I was freaking out for a little while. But, but now I thank God that he took me out of that. He'll bless you. And there are many of you, how many of you would say God has taken you out of something? He's blessed you. How many of you would just say, yeah, that, I agree with that. Well, I have a warning for every one of you that just clapped your hands. It's this, if God's blessing you, don't get cocky. Don't get your strut on because what happens when we get blessed sometimes is we get this whole like, like how you like me now, right? <laughs> the people in the past that like, they, they, they rejected me, I want it. So now I'm taking this picture on Instagram, not for myself or for my friends, but I want them to see that I'm doing good without them. So like, hashtag how you like me now. Don't get cocky like that. Because it's just as soon as we come out of this blessed phase, God is entering us into Another phase that none of us want to talk about, and that's the broken phase. That's the broken phase. It's the pattern of God that he'll, he'll take you, he'll bless you, but then he'll allow you to be broken. And it's interesting because the Bible says it was in the breaking of bread that the followers of Jesus recognized that's him. So there was something about this breaking phase that, that that they went, this is not just a coincidence, this is God at work. God is allowing um, a, a brokenness to happen and God will allow breakings to happen in your life 
And, and what's so weird about this is when I was younger, I didn't understand what older people would tell me because Amelie and I got married very young and we had uh, older men and women that would come around us and they would tell us, you're gonna go through some really good times, but you're also gonna go through some really bad times. And they would warn us, like, you gotta be, you gotta be careful to, to respect and, and love each other through those times because those times can, in your life, the, the, the hard times, the breaking times in your life can be some of the most valuable times in your life. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, are, are you saying those, you, would, you wouldn't get rid of the, the times that you went through difficulty? And they're saying, son, listen to me. Absolutely not. I'm like, so God has blessed you. He's given you things. He's given you a marriage. He's given you health. He's, he saved you from a car accidents. He's done all these things. And it, it, weren't you happy about those things? They're like, yeah, we were, but I would never trade the times that, that God broke me. I'm like, what are you talking about? He said, because those are the times I started learning how much God loves me. I'm like, what? And I didn't understand it at all until I went through my first breaking. And the first time I can truly remember being broken was the time that uh, Amelie and I were pregnant. Well, she was pregnant. I, I, just, my, I can't take credit for any of that. She was the one that was pregnant. She's like, shut up, Dan, move on. I'll do it. Okay. Um, and, and our first daughter was born and, and it, the way things worked out, she ended up having a C-section and it was the middle of the first night. I mean, we got to hold our baby and we're, we're in the room and we fall asleep. And I remember in the middle of the first night, a nurse comes in the room and the alarms go off and, 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 and they start freaking out. And the nurse says, mom, dad, come with me. Uh, Rachel's having a hard time breathing right now. We've got to go. So I didn't know what was going on. Another nurse came in and since Amelie had a C-section, they're trying to get her into a wheelchair. And I start chasing the nurse out the room and we run down the hallway to where we end up in the nursery intensive care unit. And, and they start hooking up Rachel to all these monitors and there's tubes in her and there's IVs everywhere. And there, there's all these things beeping and flashing and, and freaking out and everyone's moving hundred miles an hour. And, and I, at this point started five days of the most terrifying moments of my life. And for five days, we sat in the NICU of St. Mary's Hospital and I watched my daughter struggle. And I, I, I began to pray and I, and I thought, you know what? I, I, I grew up in church, I know what to do. So I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna read scriptures, I'm gonna listen to worship music, I'm gonna, I'm gonna speak encouraging words, I'm gonna speak life over, I'm gonna do all these things and I'm doing all this stuff and it seems like nothing is changing, nothing's happening and I'm starting to freak out. And I remember after no sleep for three days, it was like three o'clock in the morning on the third night, I, I, I remember I was, I was there in the room holding my child and, and just, I, I finally came to the point where I realized there is nothing that Dan can do for Rachel. That I couldn't switch places with her. There's not like a magic pill. There wasn't something I could do. Like, I, there was absolutely nothing I could do. And I remember at that point, I just started freaking out. Oh God, there is nothing I can do. do. Do you love my daughter? Will you do something? Will you help her? Will you help me? Will you come in this room? I can't fix this, God. My hand, like there's not, it's outside of my grasp. And when I did that, it was this breaking point where I came to the end of myself that God came in the room and he did two things. See, the Bible says that Jesus is the Prince of Peace and when he came in the room, the first thing immediately, I mean, with all the, nothing circumstantially has changed yet, but he comes in the room and all of a sudden I just felt like this, 
this comfort and this peace lay on me to where all of a sudden I realized, you know what, God is here and he does love my daughter and I am gonna be okay and I'm gonna make it through this because he loves us and I'm, I'm gonna be okay. And I started, I felt like he was ministering to me and encouraging me. But then the second thing he did is he decided for his, because of his goodness, I don't know why, he decided to touch my daughter and bless her and heal her. And now all of a sudden they're seeing O2 stats are coming back up and she's getting stronger and she's getting healed. And, and I remember coming out of this, looking at this going, this was a wonderful blessing. It was amazing. Thank God that he saved my daughter. Thank God that she was healed. But I get to the end of that. And I'll tell you, that was the five worst days of my life. The five most terrifying days of my life. And people ask me every once in a while, like, if, if, if you didn't have to go through that, would you, would you choose a different way? Like if, if things could have gone a different way, if you could have foreseen things and like got preempted, I'll tell you what, I wouldn't trade that for the world. I wouldn't trade that breaking moment in my life for anything in the world because it was in that breaking that the intimacy in my relationship with God became real. That it was in that moment that I, I felt his comfort, I felt his blessing, I felt what he was doing in my life. That, that, that now it's like God isn't just somewhere out there to, that we'll sing about and stuff. Like I realize he's in the room with me and he loves me and he cares for me. And sometimes we don't even recognize him until we go through that breaking. So God took me and he blessed me and he broke me. And there are many of you in this room that you might feel broken right now. And let me tell you something that, that the breaking doesn't always just occur externally with circumstances. Sometimes you feel broken on the inside. There might be some of you in this room, you, you, you feel like you're dealing with anxiety. You're dealing with depression, dealing with thoughts of suicide. You say, there's something deeply broken within me. Are you saying that God is doing this to me? No, I'm not. I'm saying what will happen is God will allow us to go through the difficulties of life so that as we become broken, we can fall into his hands and he can help us and he can use us and he can take us from being in this place where we think we're not going to make it through to a place where we come to the next stage. Because God doesn't just take you and bless you to break you but he allows you to be broken so he can get you to the last stage, and that's the giving stage. That God will take you, he'll bless you, he'll get, he'll get you out of whatever circumstance you're in so he can bless you, and then he'll allow you to go through difficulties sometimes so he can get you to the point where he can give you back to the world and you can now be a blessing for other people. Because God can't give you back to the world if, if you're all solid and one piece and hard. He's got to sometimes break us to the point to where now we can start to minister and help other people. And maybe God put you in the sphere of influence you have and the friendships you have and the workplace you have so that now you can be given to them to start showing God's love to them. Because here's what I know from personal experience is... I would have never been able to go properly minister to people who were sitting in the NICU with family members and sitting up at the hospital with family members and sitting up at hospice with losing loved ones. I would have never been able to do that properly if I haven't gone through the breaking that I went through in the NICU. And see, the enemy will tell you, look at all these horrible things that God has allowed to happen to you. But the truth is on the other side, uh, what is actually true is when you and I can look at the difficulties that we come through, we can say, look at all the tools that God has given me to be able to become a blessing to other people. 
to where I could show love to other people. And I wonder, what are you being given to today? Because maybe some of you are in that stage right now where you've been broken. And in that breaking, like you might've got you to the point where you were addicted, you were depressed, it, it, going to drugs, going to alcohol, going to pornography, going to all sorts of different things, going to another person, having that number that you keep calling back up, going back to these things over and over again. And you know what it's like to be at your wits end. You know what it's like to be broken. And God brought you out of it. I wonder, would you allow him to give you back? To take those same difficulties that you've gone through and use them as tools to be able to minister to people that are hurting? You've gone through a divorce. Would you minister to people who are going through a divorce? You've gone through addiction. Would you, would you be someone that someone else could lean on as they're struggling in the middle of the night on a Friday night? Would, you, you, you've gone through depression. Would you be someone who would pray with and comfort someone as they're going through a struggle that's taking place that, man, our culture doesn't even want to talk about it the right way, but, but, but would you be that, that person that would with comfort because I'm telling you there's ways that you can be given back. Our church is, is restarting our, our addiction recovery programs. Our church is restarting uh, or is starting a program called Hope for Mental Health. Like there's so many ways you can be given back. And see, these men that were following Jesus, they didn't recognize them until God took the bread, until he blessed the bread. He broke it and then he gave it. I feel like what's so powerful about this passage is that it's not said word for word, but it's implied that the entire time that this process took place, the taking, the blessing, the breaking, the giving, the bread never left Jesus's hands. And I wanna encourage you brothers and sisters that you might feel like you've been out of his hands because you've been going through difficulty, but the truth is he's still holding on to you. He's holding on to you because he has a purpose for you. You realize that you, you were born for a purpose. Life is just, well, life is just life is just life. No, no, he created you to give you a gift set and a tool set to put you on purpose, to give you back to the world, to reach more people, to show other people that he loves every person, every sinner, every person in our community. He desperately wants a relationship with them, but hear me on this before we talk outside the walls of this room. Let's talk inside the walls of this room. He wants a relationship with you. And you might be here today and saying, you know what, I don't know that I've ever accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I don't know that I've ever cooperated with him to allow him to take me, to, to take me out of my own plans, to take me out of the world that I'm comfortable with, to take me out of my own sin patterns. I never, I've never cooperated there. And today, I, I know that there are many of you that, that right now the Spirit of God is pulling on your heart and saying, today is the day, right now is the time for you to, to turn back around and to turn towards Jesus. That maybe you've been walking down the road the opposite direction because things haven't been working out for you the way that you thought that they would. But Jesus is here saying, come and follow me. I'll be your savior. I'll bring you right back to where you need to be. I will give you forgiveness. I'll give you a home forever in heaven think, well, we got to get things right. I got to do better. I got to do life right. Well, what does that look like? They asked Jesus this. 
this. What does it look like to do things right? And he answers in John, the work of God is to believe in the one he sent. Do you know, all, all you have to do is believe in Jesus. All you have to do is receive this free gift to recognize he died to take your place that we deserve because of our own sin. We deserve to die. We deserve hell. We deserve separation from God. And Jesus said, no, I love him. I'll do it for him. God said, I'll send my son and he can take their place because I don't want to miss anyone. I don't want to lose anyone. He wants everyone in this room. So what I wanna do is before we leave right now, I wanna ask every person to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I'm gonna ask you uh, if that's you, if you know you need to start a relationship with Jesus today, I'm gonna ask you to respond uh, here in just a moment by raising your hand. I'm gonna count to three and ask you to raise your hand. Why do that? Well, anytime that God does something like offer us a free gift, there is a response. We either reject it or we receive it. And here in just a moment, I wanna give you the opportunity to receive the fact that, that Jesus wants a relationship with you. So if you're here today and you feel that tugging on your heart going, I need to start a relationship with Jesus. I need to go back to where he wants me to be. If that's you, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand on the count of three. One, Jesus loves you so much too. You feel him tugging on your heart right now. Three, raise your hand so I can pray for you. There are many hands going up. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. Praise Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. That response there is, what are we doing? We're saying, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. But Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And then Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you believe in your, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised from him from the dead, you will be saved. So what I wanna do to end this service is I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna ask every person in this room to repeat this prayer after me because there were a lot of hands that went up and I want every person who just raised your hand to pray this prayer out loud, mean it from the depth of your heart because this is, it's not a magic prayer, it's a means of connecting with the God who loves you. Sent his son for you. So everyone in this room right now, if you would pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. I believe you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sins and he rose again. So I ask you to forgive me and to be my Lord and my savior. In Jesus name we pray, amen. Now, this is what I want to do. I, I want to tell you you're in a room full of people who love you and who will encourage you. We're all part of the same family here. You, you belong here. There were a lot of hands that just went up, and we want to celebrate with you. So those of you that just raised your hand and prayed that prayer for the first time, I want to ask you, hold your hand high so we can celebrate with you. Right now, right here, I see some hands. There are a lot of hands over here. See all these people turning their lives over in the back corners there. We see you. Praise God. Thank God for that. Thank God. Thank God. He comes after us because he loves us. 
comes after us because he loves us. Would you stand to your feet with me? I'm gonna pray before we dismiss. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we celebrate the fact that you love us enough to come after us. You love us enough to die for us, to pay the price so that we can be in right standing with you. So we leave here today celebrating your love for us. We thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. I love you, church. I hope you have a wonderful Easter. We will see you next Sunday as we start this brand new series, Mindset Thanks for joining us today. We love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com and pick the giving option that works best for you. Help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message.